Becoming a first-time leader is tough. Fortunately, I found Teams Global. Teams Global equips me with the tools that I need to be a great first-time leader at a price I can actually afford. With Teams Global, I can be the leader that my team needs me to be. Teams Global has a special gift for you, the listeners of the Building Teams podcast. Use the code PODCAST10, that's P-O-D-C-A-S-T-1-0 when checking out for any Teams Global course for a 10% discount on your order. Sign up for a course today. Welcome to Building Teams with Teams & Co, where we explore how leaders can empower their teams, achieve ambitious strategies, and deliver an exceptional customer experience. Views expressed by guests are their own and may not reflect the views of Teams & Co. Welcome into today's version of the Building Teams with Teams & Co podcast. My name is Mike Vagalis. I'm here with my co-host and the president of Teams & Co, Tracy Eames, and our awesome guest today, Dino Skerlos. Dino, how are you? I'm great, Mike. Happy to be here. Awesome. It's great to have you. Tracy, how are you doing this morning? Doing well, thanks. Uh, Dino, thanks for being on the show. We're, we're looking forward to uh, hearing more about your work, and, and maybe you could just kick us off by sharing with our listeners a little bit about what you do each day and how you help sales teams. Sure, absolutely. So uh, I am a fractional head of sales, so I work with small to medium-sized companies helping them. Usually I'm working with companies that for some reason, sales have stagnated for one reason or another. And I come in to do really one of two things. Uh, one, help put some sales foundational pieces in place, processes and methodologies, uh, help to put a scalable process in place. And then from there, uh, a lot of times I'm asked to be a fractional leader for the sales team as well, where I'm focused on really helping each individual on the sales team hit quota and help with forecasting and things for the executive team as well. That's really interesting, Dino. Can you uh, walk us through sort of just a brief background for for your career? So, you know, I'm curious to hear how, how did you get to a point where where you're able to do well as a fractional sales leader? Yeah, I, I guess I was I was pretty fortunate in that I was asked to lead a sales team really early in my career. Um, way back in '95, I was VP of Sales of an internet startup, and really, despite my lack of experience at the time, we we had a lot of success. We uh, uh, we grew, we went public, um, you know, and really at that time, I realized a couple of things. Number one really enjoyed helping to and being responsible for the growth of of a company. Uh, number two, working with small to medium-sized companies, there's just a different energy there. Mm-hmm. Um, really kind of decided at that point, that's what I wanted to do for my career. And for the last 25 years, have been fortunate to work with really small to medium-sized companies in a sales leadership capacity. Now, what I came to realize over uh, the course of a decade or two, as you get good at scaling businesses, acquisition becomes somewhat inevitable. And on four different occasions, the company I was working with was sold, which is great. I mean, it's usually the goal starting out. But for me personally, I then go from working for a small company to a big company. And you know, quite frankly, as a sales leader in a very large organization, you're spending a lot less time on revenue producing activity, and that's not where I want to be. Mm-hmm. So about seven years ago, uh, kind of realized that uh, working with these small companies on a consultancy basis allowed me to work with multiple companies at a time and really focus on the things that I enjoy doing. So that's where I'm at today. That's awesome, Dino. I think um, I started off in sales, so I'm really excited about this conversation because 
we've talked about teams in general and lots of different types of teams, but we haven't dove into sales teams yet. And I think there's a lot of nuances that are highly applicable to other types mm. of teams right now, right? Sales teams are often virtual. They're often located in different locations from even each other, right? So everybody's kind of working in their own territory. Maybe even people are working on, you know, all in the function of sales, but some are working on bigger customers, some on more local, smaller customers. And so as a sales leader, you're often managing kind of people in different locations who are working on complementary but kind of different goals. So I think there's a lot of kind of themes that leaders today in general are dealing with, right? And so maybe we'll kind of just take the first question is, is how, especially as kind of a fractional sales leader who's, you know, maybe not based in the same place as their team is based, how do you, how do you kind of build the, that momentum for growing the company, growing the sales, working with your team? What does that look like day to day to you and in how you support those teams? Yeah, it's a really good question. Um, a loaded question at that because it, it really kind of starts at the beginning, right? I mean, it starts from it starts with hiring the right people and then getting the right processes in place, uh, making sure that everybody knows not only what the end goal is, but what needs to happen on a day-to-day -day basis to get there. Having said that, I think sales always, to me, I, and I've been in sales my whole career, so maybe I've not managed uh, programmers, for example, in my in my career, and, and my perception is that maybe a programmer, a team of programmers, they're what they're doing is really tied together a lot more than in sales, where you have an opportunity to uh, really kind of be siloed, which is a good and bad opportunity, right? When you're trying to develop and empower a team. So I think the you know really the most important thing for me, whether you're virtual or managing an internal sales team in an office, is really focusing on the individual and making sure that each individual, as a manager, you're helping each individual get better. So it's like letting them know as an ex you know as a fractional VP, I'm coming in and doing a couple things. Number one, letting them know that hey. I'm here to help you improve. I'm here to help you grow. I'm here to help you uh, become a better salesperson. And then number two, you better just spend all of your time doing that. And uh, it, it, if you're if you're focused on that piece on an individual basis, um, and they know that, and they know you're there for their best interest, it helps them uh, individually. And then in the whole team, you're able to then create a culture of improvement. And then um, with the process coupled with that culture, you're starting to get some of that momentum that you're looking for from a sales standpoint. Yeah. I'm curious to learn more about that process, Dino. And when you walk into a new organization that maybe has been around for a while and you know has something like revenue stagnating and they hire you to come in and, and solve the problem, how do you go about doing that? Yeah, it starts with a, a clear assessment of where the organization is right now. Uh, a lot of and again, keeping in mind, I'm working with companies that are kind of small to medium size. So that's almost always under 75 employees, typically under 50 employees, sometimes even under 20 employees. But, you know, so in those types of organizations, typically what's happening is your your founder, your CEO is the is the best salesperson in the company, mm -hmm. is the person responsible for uh, the initial sales of the organization, and then what naturally happens from there is that that CEO or founder starts hiring salespeople, and just kind of assumes that they're going to have the same success they did, 
when that's very rarely the case because the CEO understands the problems and how they solve them better than anybody they're going to hire. Not mm-hmm. to mention they're they're pretty passionate and charismatic uh, on average. So they get uh, a little frustrated uh, sometimes, uh, a lot of times with not being able to pass it on. So it's it's kind of identifying where they're at. And, and typically what's happening there is they're looking for somebody with experience and then they're hoping that they can just kind of translate that experience, that sales success to their organization. When in fact, you really need to have those processes in place. And those processes are really kind of understanding where is business coming from today, quantifying that very specifically. And now I'm talking kind of top of the funnel. There's there's mm-hmm. a number of different processes, right? Kind of top of funnel process and you know where you're, how, how are we getting prospects coming in, opportunities coming in? And then more importantly, and a lot of the process I focus on is how are we taking those opportunities and getting them to become customers? So it's kind of identifying what are we doing that's working well right now? Let's start to try to improve on each, understand what we're doing and, and what we're getting in terms of improvement. And then you start to build kind of a scale scalable process from there. So it's a lot of it's a lot of math, quite frankly, a lot of documentation, but more importantly, from a, a, a person, an individual standpoint, understanding what they're doing and then getting the whole team to build into uh, a skeleton of a framework so that they can work from there, improve from there, and, and then add their individuality into, into that process. I think that last point about individuality is one that is really important in, in a team, right? Everybody has to play their own role, and then they also have to come together as a team, right? We we use a lot of sports analogies on this podcast, um, and it's like basketball, right? You can't have five point guards, or you need to have everybody who's doing a little bit of a different thing. And so as you're building that kind of understanding of the funnel and your team is starting to work together, how do you work with team members individually to you know, give them feedback on, hey, here's how we're doing as a team versus what we were expecting and what we were forecasting? Uh, sales forecasting is usually people's you know, favorite activity. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's not usually people's favorite activity. But you, know, you have the sales forecast. You have these sales goals. How do you right. work with those individuals to say, hey, we're on track or hey, we're a little off course, we need to adjust. And then how do you kind of build that individuality into that process so people feel like, yeah, I'm part of a team, but I also get a little bit of leeway to add my own kind of approach to this? Yeah, sales, it's a lot easier. And I, I'm, I'm happy to hear the, uh, the fact that you use a lot of sports analogies because I can't help <laughs> but use them every day in, in, my, in, in my life because I've been in sports quite a bit uh, as a participant, as a coach, and uh, and follow it. And if sales really lends itself to sports because of the results thing, right? I mean, everybody not only knows what your results are in relation to the team, but but you do as well. So it's, it's instant. You know, everybody knows exactly where they stand. So so in answer to your question, it's it's a couple of things. Um, you know, it's understanding where the company target is, where the team target is, right? And those are conversations that are really starting in October, November, December for most most companies as they look at the, at the next calendar year. And then as part of that, really making sure that each uh, what I have teams do is put together to author their own sales plan. Uh, for their part of that team goal, so that they're out, they're actually articulating not only the activities but the strategies and the potential obstacles that they may come across over that next year to uh, to accomplish their piece of that team target. Outside of that, it's it's very 
more, it's much more focused on the individual, you know, I mean, back to sports analogies, it's more like golf, right? I mean, uh, uh, your best golfers don't necessarily compete with the other players. Um, they're looking at the leaderboard to be sure, but you know, it's, it's on them in terms of what happens on a, on a, uh, you know, hole by hole basis. So, uh, sales is, is pretty similar in that regard as well. So it is very, uh, much on the individual. Now, the, the other interesting thing is a lot of salespeople don't like to be micromanaged, right? So you need to give them some leeway. So you give them that kind of that framework and that framework and that process is, okay, we know who our customers are and we know what their buying process is. So we need to match, our process needs to match their buying process. And that's going to be the same for the whole team. And once you have that, now you can, you know, the, the individual part that's going to come in in terms of how you're communicating, how you're getting the prospect to engage. There's a lot of areas to be an individual, but ultimately what it comes down to is how are, how are your results and how is that matching up to the team results? So a lot of times it comes down to, you know, your team meetings on a monthly basis or every other week, that's where you're talking how, how we're doing in relation to the team. But the one-on-one -on -one meetings that are happening more often is, is your opportunity to have those individual meetings. And, and then the trick is, how do you have those meetings and, and not kind of micromanage them at the same time? Yeah. Do you know, I'm curious from a sales team, I understand that it is a very competitive type field. You you probably have a lot of ex-athletes and people that are very results oriented and, and performance driven. How do you manage and help foster a culture that celebrates competition and where people can be competitive, but not in a, I guess, how do you manage that to a point where it's not detrimental to the overall organization? Yeah, it's it's a really good question, and I'll be honest, it's that type of competitive culture was a lot more prevalent 10, 15, 20 years ago than it is now. Mm. I'm not sure why that is. There is competitiveness, and as a, a sales manager, you're looking for a lot of that drive for sure. Mm -hmm. um, but I think you you really need to have individuals that have on top of that empathy and really a desire to to serve and to help. And your ultra competitive people a lot of times and I'm I'm painting with a broad brush here but may not have that ultra competitive you against me and still mm. be the and still have that hey I'm I need to help I I have that desire to help people. I, I think we're we're finding now more the individuals that really need to have that uh willingness to help mentality. And uh, yet that internal desire. So yeah, th there's not, there are individuals to be sure that can be, that are successful, that are ultra competitive. Mm -hmm. And uh, you, you just try and do that in a way where um, ultimately there, there is room for individuals to be very competitive and be very successful and not be detrimental to the team. Mm -hmm. But to your point, Mike, I mean, the, if you have a lot of people that are ultra competitive to the extent where uh, you know, a lot of times in sports, you see it, right? If you're very competitive, it's, uh, uh, it's, it's a me first attitude and it's, uh, I'm better than you attitude. And that could be really detrimental, but I, I don't see that quite as much as, like I said, I, I did a decade or so ago. I think it's interesting, interesting too, just kind of having an experience with sales teams. It's, it's that competitiveness of like, if we all win versus our goals versus are we competitive versus each other, right? Is if the team is all individually competitive versus their individual goals, we can all still be successful together versus 
I'm bound and determined to be better than my teammates, which is a different a different kind of competitiveness, right? There's like that that collaborative mm-hmm. spirit that you can get of like, hey, if we all win, if we all win versus our goals, we're doing a good job versus we have to inherently, you know, win versus each other. And when you were speaking, it kind of makes me think of also the team collaboration that happens with sales. Yeah. Um, I've worked in both sales and marketing, and that's one of those common places mm. that teams see a lot of tension, right? So sales is always, you know, I, I shouldn't say always, but there's often these debates of we need better materials. And so there's this like, oh, marketing needs to give us better materials. And marketing's like, well, sales needs to give us better information about what's working with the customer and what's not working with the customer. And you often hear these dynamics between teams that are delivering things to each other. And how do you as a sales leader work with the marketing leadership to say, okay, we need to make sure that we're working together versus having this finger pointing um, that sometimes occurs when goals aren't being met, right? So how do you kind of keep those conversations focused on, as a sales team, how do we give that information to marketing? How are we really clear about what we're asking for? What are the deliverables needed? And then also being able to kind of use the things and give feedback on the tools that we're given. So what does that process of kind of collaborating across teams look like for you as a, a fractional leader who may be working with kind of a full-time leader on another team? And, and what's that dynamic like? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a really good question, and that dynamic is real. And I've had plenty of situations where it's been both a challenging dynamic and a, and a real synergistic one. I think the synergistic ones, you know, it starts with the relationship between the marketing leader and the sales leader. And if that's good, uh, generally everything else works out. You know, today it seems a lot more, there's a lot more opportunity to have it be a challenging relationship because today more than ever, because of on, online and how leads come in, sales seems to be much more dependent on marketing new opportunities than was the case a decade or two ago. And that is uh, that is challenging for sales and challenging for the dynamic. So what I mean by that is far too often today, you find sales teams that are really looking to marketing for their their opportunities. And there's less of a willingness to go out and find those opportunities on their own. Um, so a lot of times I'm working with the sales teams to let them know their responsibility to create their own pop- pipeline in addition to what marketing's providing. So so the d- dynamic has changed. The sales has become a little more reliant on marketing than than maybe in the past. But in terms of how to get it to be a, a more of a synergistic relationship, it, it's you know, it's meeting as a team uh, a lot of times, and I've even been able to do this as a fractional leader, whether it's just once a month or once a week, uh, the two teams are getting together to talk about what's come in, uh, what's marketing provided, what's sales done in, you know, with those things coming in. Not not to say, hey, we recognize you gave us this and here's what we did with what you gave us, but to kind of a, a culture of sharing. Here's Here's what we're hearing. From the prospects, a lot of times marketing isn't getting enough of that information. Hearing from sales in terms of what's what's being said by the prospect, that's going to help them, and uh, in turn, it helps sales to to know uh, you know what marketing is doing to to initiate those conversations to get uh, these prospects to to resonate enough to schedule a meeting. So there's a mm-hmm. lot of opportunity for learning there, and if you can kind of frame it like that and uh, 
uh, frame it where each each department is is dependent on the other, and that that revenue target for the organization is both a marketing and a sales target, not just a a sales target. I, I think you're in. Yeah, that's a good first step. Yeah, I I thought I had along with that, Dino is uh, compensation targets and setting revenue goals and and aligning incentives uh, both for individuals and for departments. What advice do you give or or how do you diagnose a situation when you walk into an organization and help leadership set appropriate goals and targets and comp structures that align people's incentives? Yeah. Yeah. Um, typically, I, I see two big issues with compensation when I go into an organization and I take a look at the, the salespeople in particular. Number one, a lot of times the organization is incenting the wrong behaviors. So for example, you have these hybrid roles where an account executive has both responsibility for bringing in new business and also has responsibility of kind of not maintaining the business, but keeping in touch with those clients in in an effort to upsell those clients. Hmm. And a lot of times their commission for upselling the client is identical to new business. Thus, you're really incenting that salesperson to focus more time on the client relationship than new business, or at at best split that. And that becomes problematic. The other challenge with compensation that I see a lot is that, um, and I guess there's two parts of this. Number one, a lot of times the ratio between base and commission is off. You know, a lot of times it's just too much heavy on base. I think a lot of times companies feel like they need to give a lot more base to ins- to get the best talent internally, mm-hmm. um, and that's not always the case. So their base is a lot higher, and that de-incentivizes the, uh, the account executive a lot of times. And the other thing is, even if there is an even match there, and ideally you want kind of a 50-50 split there between base salary and commission... But even despite that, a lot of times the commission that they're providing doesn't take into account gross margins. So for example, you might be paying your salespeople too much in commission, whereas if they have mm. very good years, you're really putting the company in, in, a, in a difficult situation because they're really paying more commission than they should based on those gross margins. So it's kind of going in there, taking a look at that and, and putting a comp plan in place that incentivizes them, incentivizes the account executive to to do the right behaviors. And then kind of I, I use a formula typically to help kind of make sure that uh, based on that gross margin, based on on target earnings and quota, that uh, it's fair for both the account executive and the organization. Interesting. And now let's hear about the wonderful people that support this podcast. Hey guys, got to tell you about a friend of the show. Michelle Trotz and her accounting and consulting team. Are you spending more time managing your accounting than you are managing your team? Maybe it's time to bring on a professional to help you. Michelle's team of CPAs and certified fraud examiners specialize in contract accounting, outsourced CFO, and consulting services, giving you the time that you need to focus on operating your organization. Give Michelle a call today to schedule your free consultation at 828-280-2530. Again, that's 828-280-2530. You don't have to run your organization alone. Michelle Trotz is your partner in accounting. Do you know, I, 
it seems like, I mean, you're doing so much when you step in in a fractional role where you're diagnosing culture and meeting team members and looking at compensation plans and you're doing so much. What in your experience, when you step into an organization, makes you say like, okay, this is this organization is going to work really well? Like what are the behavior traits uh, from the leadership team? What's, what sort of cultures do you step into where you have a high, you have a feeling that you will be successful because of the way that the organization is structured? Yeah, it's, it's a, it's a good question. A couple of things come to mind. Um, you know, it really starts at the top and that founder, that CEO, or if a little larger organization, that executive team, you know, they're, how clear are they on a couple of things? So I'm, I'm typically asking a couple of questions initially. Number one, what problems do you solve as an organization? And the, the, the amount of clarity that they can answer that question provides me confidence in that company and where they're going. So I'll also ask, how do you uniquely solve those problems? And that usually you get, you can get a better answer for that than the first one typically. But the, those two questions and the answers to those questions helps give me a, a good idea. The other thing is the willingness of a, a CEO to really go outside for help, right? Uh, a lot of times, like I said, that dynamic of a, a CEO, again, this is companies usually under 50 employees or right around 50 employees, you know, uh, because a, a CEO has been successful themselves as a salesperson in, in selling business, they feel like they can, you know, they should be, as long as they hire better, they should be able to, to figure that out. So, um, the kind of that willingness to go outside for for some help, the willingness to to realize, okay, you know, I love the idea of a scalable, profitable process, but I really hate or can't put together my own scalable, repeatable, profitable process. Mm -hmm. I, that willingness is kind of another thing that I look for. Yeah, I think we we agree with that, right? So when we work with a lot of clients, there's there's a lot of things that you want to make sure that you're seeing, right, in terms of that openness and that collaboration. And I think that speaks a lot to any organization, but especially if you're working with outside consultants and outside providers, right, being open to that feedback, open to the discussion. How do you kind of help organizations build that, right? That's one of the things that we try to work really hard on is, you know, our approach isn't to come in and just deliver a solution. Our approach is to come in and work with that organization to collaboratively build that solution, right? And we bring a certain set of expertise to help do that, but it has to be a team process. So how do, how do you kind of work on that with organizations too, to say, hey, we're going to definitely see success, but there's got to be that, you know, that back and forth, that feedback loop. Are there regular kind of cadences you set up with other leaders? Are there certain processes you use to kind of help organizations get to that, that feedback loop that, that helps drive success? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and how that happens depends on the organization itself. Uh, you know, I have a couple of clients where there's somebody on the executive team, either a president or a COO, that really starts my engagement and my relationship by letting the company know, not just the sales team, but the company know why I'm there, uh, how I'm looking to help, and what we're looking to do as a result of it. So there's that initial buy-in is really important in the beginning. And I typically that that typically does happen. The feedback loop is really in that that individual. So what I'm doing in addition to to managing and working with the sales team 
is I have weekly meetings with the executive team. It might be the CEO, it might be another executive, depending on the on the relationship. But there's always that weekly meeting in terms of here's here's where here's what I'm seeing from the team. Here's where we are in relation to the goal, and uh, that's where that feedback loop starts. Most of the time, I'm also part of, and I ask for this all the time. I don't always get it, but most of the time, I'm part of the exec. I become part of the executive team of the organization. So I'm in the executive team meetings as well, even though I'm fractional, I'm there with the COO and the CFO and other executives talking about the organization as a whole. So I'm able to provide not only a feedback on what I'm seeing and the direction sales is going, but also uh, kind of leverage some of my experience to help the company in other areas as well. So that feedback loop is something that is important to me, is something that uh, I'm, I'm really kind of even before I get engaged with an organization, I want to make sure it's there because to your point, it's 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 critical, really. You can focus on helping the individual salesperson, but you know, the sales team is the the revenue is always a big part of the company as a whole, right? That's obvious, but uh kind of making sure that the organization understands what the sales team is doing is important as well. So that feedback is is critical. Yeah. Speaking of feedback, how do you work with the sales team? to solicit feedback from customers and then pipe that back to the rest of the organization? Mm -hmm. Most of the time we're teaming up with client success to get that. It's a, it's a great point because you know there, there's two types of information that's really important and they're very similar, but uh, uh, there are slight differences. So really we rely on the sales team to really get the view of the prospect, right? Prospective customers, what is important mm -hmm. to them? What problems do they have? How are those problems evolving? What are they looking for in solutions? What benefits are they getting when we do provide our solution? So um, that's from the prospect perspective, but that client perspective is critical as well. And the balance you have, as I touched on before, is you really don't want the sales team too involved, ideally, in the client conversations. So you're really mm -hmm. relying on some some small organizations, it's it's a hybrid and it has to be, and that's fine. Um, in which case, you're really you know you're spending at least one uh, one or two hours a quarter, if not once a month, where you're getting some of that feedback in terms of what are we hearing, what are our uh, you know customer SAT scores, how are those changing on a month to month, quarter to quarter basis. So um, you know usually it's a combination of getting sales in front of client success or uh you know you're putting a process in place for the organization where that type of information is shared on a regular basis because the information uh that that information loop there is is very important sure so dino i think that this conversation is awesome in the sense of we you're touching on a lot of things that we talk about often with you know obviously other podcast guests but also you know our clients in terms of feedback and clear having clear goals how do you um, think about sales teams and kind of their ongoing development, right? So I think a, a typical process in sales tends to be, if I'm doing well in my role, I may get bigger customers to manage. But how do you think about that in broader terms in, you know, in, and encourage employees to say, hey, maybe your next step is marketing, or maybe it's you know, an operational role because you know a lot about forecasting and a lot about kind of those inputs that are required in other departments. And so when you're thinking about kind of fractional leadership and but also being that advocate for the team members in terms of their future development, 
What does that look like in terms of some of the creative pathways that you've encouraged salespeople to take and branching out beyond that? My next step is obviously going to be a bigger customer or it's going to obviously be sales leadership. What's your process there? Yeah, there are um, kind of natural hierarchies that take place. So, um, you know, you have in a lot of organizations, you have kind of a sales development group, a group that is maybe focused on getting new opportunities for the account executives. When that that's usually kind of the opportunity to hire people that have a lot of ambition. Uh, Maybe they want to be in sales or they want to be in software sales or they want to be in technology or they want to be in a certain industry. You can kind of put them there with a focus of getting not only getting opportunities doing their job as a sales development rep, but also kind of understanding what their strengths are, where they're looking for improvement, what their where their interests are. And then from there, uh, that's when they go into either an account executive role, or maybe they go into a marketing role, or maybe even a client success role. That's usually where that kind of thought process and that kind of training happens for most organizations. If, in terms of sales, unfortunately, you're really it's re- results driven. It becomes a lot more results driven. Now, having said that, there are plenty of account executives that do well, do well enough. Maybe they're at you know seventy to ninety percent of their quota but have other interests or have other desires. And then you're, you're working with them to not only understand those, but to kind of help them move from there. A lot of times it's with, you know, it's, I find myself in conversations as uh, with account executives, you know, you want to give them support. You're helping them. You're always encouraging them, but sometimes it's, it's, you, you have to do that a lot quicker, I guess is what I'm saying for, in terms of account executives, uh, salespeople, the you, the results are are a little more important at that point. You're trying to get some of that figured out before they go in an account executive role. Mm-hmm. And if in an account executive role, that kind of realization happens where, hey, you know what? This isn't quite right for me. Uh, I'm looking to do this, or I think, uh, you know, I'd like to do that. You know, you work with them for sure to do that. And you're, you're trying to create a culture in the sales organization where, you know, we're looking out for your best interest. But at the same time, that focus is really kind of that target and those results. So there's not as much room for that as there is kind of as a sales development rep or some other type of position within the sales or marketing team where you can use that time to figure out, hey, what what do I want to do? Where where are my strengths and how can I best serve this organization? Do you ever find, you know, that there's a salesperson that's really good at following the process, but maybe the results don't always follow? Um, I'm thinking Mm. back to our our golf analogy, right? Where if you've got somebody who some of the most talented golfers in the world have an excellent process, but they're not able to put it together 100% of the time. So how do you recognize talent, process, and performance manage if sometimes, or maybe it is 100% the, the end result that matters? Yeah. So when I say result, that doesn't always mean 100% of the quota, 100% of the time, right? That's unrealistic. You know, you've got the Pareto principle, right? You're going to get 80% of your results come from 20% of the uh, yeah. the team. That doesn't always work out like that. But, you know, I had a manager uh, way back say, you know, you don't want to fire the 80% because you're, you're, you're always going to have that 80-20 rule, no matter how many people or who you have. So the, the point being is that you, you, if you're getting the effort, you're getting somebody who has uh, is putting the effort on a day-to-day basis, 
and is following the process and is consistently at 80% of quota, you know, depending on the environment, that's not a that's not an entirely bad thing. You don't you, not everybody is going to be 100% successful 100% of the time. So, mm-hmm. you're just working with each individual kind of maximize the efficiency and if you're ma- maximizing the efficiency, the efforts there, um kind of that care for the client is there or the prospect is there, you know, that 100% quota doesn't always need to be there. So, it's uh it's really important to to be human as well. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. not, it's not, there's a lot of golfers that uh, you don't know the name of, uh, you wouldn't recognize their name, but they've made millions of dollars uh, just making cuts every, every week. So right. um, you need those people to be successful. And I think it's also right. recognizing the strengths of the team, right? Like somebody might be, might be reaching 80% of their written goals in terms of revenue, but they might also be contributing a lot of other intangibles to the team, right? They might be a really strong trainer. They might be really supportive of their team members in terms of helping them make presentations. And I think those, all those intangibles that we don't write down into goals because it's impossible to put everything into goals are really important to that team dynamic. And I think as a leader recognizing that and saying, hey, This person has this full breadth of skills and uh, intangibles that they're bringing to the team in addition to just really solid, consistent performance uh, is a valuable, a valuable thing as a leader to to recognize. So, Mm -hmm. Dino, this has been this has been wonderful. And one of the things I want to make sure that we're capturing and we talked about a little bit is like kind of what's next for you? What are what are some of the things that are on your horizon that you're really excited about and and kind of. As you look towards, you know, the end of this year, I, I can't believe that we're, you know, more than halfway through 2021, but but we are. So what is uh what's kind of next up for you and, and what are you thinking about to kind of close out 2021 and move into move into the next year? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't help but uh, you know, think about the the clients that I'm working with now and uh, you know, we're in just closing out the year strong. Q4 for a lot of companies is the strongest quarter of the year. And then you add to the fact that we're coming out of a pandemic and uh, kind of a, a, a ramp up. Uh, I think I'm, I think this fourth quarter is going to be uh, really good for a lot of companies, really excited to, to work with my clients to make sure we're maximizing that, uh, that period of time. And, uh, you know, working with the individuals within these organizations, it's just fun to watch the growth of the individuals. And that's kind of where outside of the results where where my thoughts go to is is seeing the growth of the individuals on these individual teams is you know a lot of times in not all but in a lot of account executives a lot of sales teams you're you're dealing with people that are on the early to middle part of their career and there's a lot of not only growth but uh, uh, excitement within those individuals to grow and continue to grow and that's just the you know it's it's great to be a part of that and to help that in a, in a small way is is really exciting and that's what I look forward to most. That's great. Well, Dina, we really appreciate you uh, taking the time to to hop on the podcast. I've learned a lot. I think that this uh, conversation has been has been so helpful as we think about our role working with organizations in diagnosing culture and understanding the the dynamics of a team. You know, all the things that you do, Dino, are similar in ways to what we do. So it's it's great to hear it, it from another another person. Um, I also think it's just really cool how you've been sort of self-aware enough to recognize about yourself. I want to, I want to work with this size company. I want to do these types of things and to create a, a path for yourself 
to do that even after you've you know successfully done your job enough times to get you know bought out <laughs> from other organizations and to have sort of the self fortitude to to say no I want to I want to keep doing this thing that I know that I'm I'm good at and I enjoy doing so I just I commend that um a lot well thank you I appreciate that um yeah it's uh, that's where the satisfaction comes is I've you know it's just helping those teams I've got a one of the most proud things that I have in my office are things that I, I refer to as a plaque from one of the sales teams who, who, who said I was on the plaque, it says the best sales dad. And, uh, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, or, or yeah. So I, sales dad is an interesting dynamic an interesting, uh, kind of title to have. And it kind of took me aback initially, but, um, you know, it's just being able to help those individuals grow to that extent. And, and that's just, it's a lot of fun. So I appreciate the, uh, the kind words. I really enjoy um, uh, the opportunity to speak with both of you. This has been fun. Thank you. Yeah, it's been, it's been a blast for us too. Yeah. And Dina, where can our listeners find you? Uh, if they're looking for a fractional uh, sales leader or just to, to have a conversation? Yeah. LinkedIn would be the best place. Uh, thank you for asking. Yeah. Dino Skirlos, uh, S-K-E-R-L-O-S. Not too many Dinos out there, but uh uh, fractional leadership in the uh, uh, Raleigh Triangle area. So yeah, that would probably be the best place to connect. Awesome. Well, we'll definitely add that link to our show notes as well. So for listeners who are in their cars or on the move and, and want to make sure that they can connect with Dino, we'll uh, we'll add all of that to our show notes as well as information about Teams & Co. So we, we really appreciate Dino. Uh, can't thank you enough diving into sales teams today. It's it's fun for us to, to, to Mike's point, to speak to people who are not only really good at what they do and strong kind of functional experts, but also really strong leaders. And, and to hear your focus around building teams is obviously uh, close to what we like to talk about and really appreciate all of the, the ways that you've shared today that you help support specifically sales teams. But again, I think these are a lot of nuances that especially as we're all navigating new ways of working and a, a changing dynamic in all of our environments, you know, feedback, communication, supporting your team, supporting the individual, all really important concepts. So, so thanks again for joining us. We're really excited to share this with our listeners. We've had some requests for kind of team-specific podcasts. So this, uh, this helps us uh, give the listeners a little bit more of those specifics that they've been looking for and and appreciate your time. So, so thanks again. Thanks, Tracy. Thanks, Mike. You've been listening to Building Teams with Teams & Co. To learn more about the latest thinking on how to empower your team to deliver exceptional results or to book a consultation, please visit us at teamsandco.com or follow us at LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook. Mention of particular products or services and participation of a guest does not imply an endorsement by Teams & Co. The information provided is for educational and entertainment purposes and should not be taken as professional advice.